with, with promises that are so often broken. We, we, just, we just got through another election, and it's filled again with promises that the people who make, they, they have no intention or cannot keep. You, you, you know, have, do, you, do you guys like me now? I'm 46 years old. I watch these things, and I try to look at the character of the person I'm going to vote for, but and then all the words they say, you just almost start to smirk and like, whatever. You can't, you, I, don't, I, I, was, uh, I was 10 years old the first time I heard a politician get up and say that we were going to have an, an energy policy. Wean ourselves off foreign oil, okay? That was 36 years ago. I was very into politics when I was younger. Um, I really was, and I, I remember that. And it's the same old, same old. They get up and they make these promises, and, and they don't follow through with the promises that they make, and, and your mind just begins to swirl. Every time I turn on the TV, I see ads, maybe for this detergent, how this detergent can get out this or that stain in these clothes, and it can't. Or, or this pill or that pill can help you lose weight without diet or exercise. And it won't. And it goes on and on and on. I, again, I watch commercials and I just, I, I just say out loud, that's a lie. That's not true. They can't do that. It's amazing. You sit there and listen to people make promises to you that they have no intention of keeping. They want to trick you somehow into believing that this detergent can get out, you know, oil and grass and wine all in one. And all they got to do is put it in their little bucket, you know, watch it for five minutes. You know what I'm saying? And then the little writing on the bottom, you know, clips time two and a half years or something, um, you know. <laughs> But you know it doesn't actually work, and it just is very frustrating. Life is filled with promises, filled with promises. But the good thing is, the reality is that there are a lot of people in this world who do try to keep the promises that they make. They do. It's their desire to follow through with the promises that they, they make. They want to fulfill those. We, it would be very difficult to live in our world without promises, Without making promises or, 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 or receiving promises, it's difficult to live in, in this culture, in this world, without, the, without promises. We, we make promises to each other that we really try to keep, which is a good thing. And God makes promises to us that he always keeps, always keeps. When God makes a promise, in the Bible it's called a covenant. And the word covenant is used over two, oh, 270 times in the Bible. You see the word covenant. And most of us know what a covenant is. My father's a contractor. He's a builder. And he, you have to sign a, a neighborhood covenant, covenant before you can move into the neighborhood. Because he doesn't want you, you know, putting your car up on blocks for like two years at a time or, or raising pigs in the backyard or whatever the case may be. So you have to sign a neighborhood covenant that you're not going to have your dog barking out, you know, outside for all night long. Those are, those are neighborhood covenants. Some of you have to sign those. When you join the church, you sign a, a membership covenant. It says you will do this or you will do this. You, you're promising to, as being a part of this church to do certain things. That's a, that's a covenant. Promises are everywhere, but, but how do we know who to trust? 
Whose promises can we depend on? How do you know that you can depend on someone's promise? You know, I, I got an email. I don't know about you. Maybe you've never gotten this. It's probably just to me because, you know, the person saw that I needed some help. I don't know what it was, but they sent me an email. It said, if I would just send them some money, this person, it was overseas, and if I'd send them some money, there's some big, there's a load of cash just waiting offshore. And if I would just send them a few dollars, they, they can then release all this cash and I would get so much money. So I sent it to them because I, they, they promised it wasn't a scam and I asked them. So I just sent him the money. And last time I was in New York, I bought the Brooklyn Bridge from a guy too because he promised he was his and so I bought it from him. I mean, promises. How do you know who you can trust? How do you know that you can trust the person who's making the promises? Promises are so important to our lives, but they've lost some of their meaning because each of us have been burned so many times. We've been burned. And so we ask the question, how do I know I can trust? Who can I trust anymore to keep their promise? Here is a quote that I absolutely love. I heard this, I heard this recently. A promise is only as good as the character of the person making the promise and their ability to make that promise a reality. So who can I trust when they make a promise? You look at the character of the person making the promise and you look at their ability to fulfill the promises that they're making and then you can trust that person. The character, the character of the person making the promises and we know the character of Jesus Christ. We know the character of God. In Genesis chapter 12, there are some amazing promises. There's an amazing promise in Genesis chapter 12, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Abraham and his wife are just kind of relaxing in, you know, relaxing in, in, in the day and, and minding their own business, and God comes and he speaks to Abraham. He calls Abraham to leave everything that he knows, his, his country, his relatives, his father's house, which means the wealth of his family and, 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 to, and to go to the land, God says, go to the land that I will show you. I want you, to, I want you to do this. I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith. I want you to give up all these things. I'm going to lead you somewhere and you go to the land that I will show you. Then God makes this promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses two and three. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Amazing promise. All the people of the earth will be blessed through you. If you follow me, if you do what I'm asking you to do, if you're obedient to me, all the people of the earth will be blessed because of you. So Abraham is obedient. In verse six, it says this, Abram traveled through the land. And then God reaffirms his promise to him in verse 7. To your offspring, I will give this land. The rest of the account of Abraham, the re in reality, the entire Bible is about the unfolding of these promises. The unfolding of this promise. It's amazing. If you look at this particular promise and then go forward, really the rest is the unfolding of God's promise to Abraham. The amazing promise to Sarah, to Sarah that she would have a child, Isaac, is really at the root, at the heart of our faith. That which was once dead, that which was once dead and empty will now bring life. That which was once barren, and without hope, we'll be filled, we'll be blessed, 
What an incredible promise. Incredible promise. And through that blessing, others will be blessed as well. Through the blessing that that God has given to Abraham and to Sarah, others will be blessed as well. This morning in our series, Resting in God's Promises, I want us to look at how these, what, these, what these promises teach us about ourselves. What do these promises here in Genesis chapter 12 teach us about ourselves and teach us about the promises of God and how they apply to our lives? You know, you need to go back. I thought about this as I was reading through. You need to go back and you need to reread the accounts of the Old Testament because they are rich with practical application for our lives. You know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, the Old Testament, good for history, some good stories, and you read them. But I'm going to tell you, they are filled, they are rich with practical application to our lives here in 2009. Go back and read them, and you'll be amazed if you just ask the question, well, how does this apply to my life, Lord? Lord, show me how this applies to my life today. You'll be amazed at what you'll find out. In our time last week, we learned through Noah that we have a God who promises to remember us. He promises to remember us. That he promises that he will never leave us. That our God will never forsake us. You can depend on that promise. This morning, the story of God's promise to Abraham teaches us that as God blesses us, we then can be a blessing to other people. As God pours out his blessing on our lives, we then can be a blessing to others around us. In in Grace Chapel lingo, transformed, blessed lives can transform and bless the lives of others. So as your life is transformed, as you are blessed by God, you can then be a, a transforming agent of God and bless the lives of those who so desperately need it. With the remainder of our time, I want to talk about how we can make that happen. How do we make that happen, Lord, in our, in our own lives? Well, first, as God blesses us, we can bless others because we are heirs of God's promise. We, you and I, who know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are heirs of God's promise. We are heirs of his inheritance. We have an inheritance in God. We have been given an amazing inheritance. The first part of God's promise to Abraham says this, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. When most of us think of an inheritance, we think of our family tree, of what was passed down to us in, from our lineage, from our, fam, from our family tree. And, 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 and that would be good. And a lot of us have, we know our family tree. I, I have the blessing of having an uncle who's just focused on this. Um, he was before he died. And he just would constantly look up the family tree and go back and further in history and study and study and study. So I kind of know my family history. Or you might be thinking of this rich aunt, when you think of inheritance, you think of this rich aunt who, you know, who really has a lot of money, and when she passes on, maybe she's going to leave you an inheritance, and you're going to get a little bit, and so that's what you're thinking. But the Bible teaches us that we are in the family line of Adam and of Noah and of Abraham. We are in that family line. That, that is, we have, been, we have been put in that family line. We are heirs of a blessing beyond, you think of what someone can leave you. We are heirs of a blessing beyond what money can buy. We carry the name of those who have gone before us. 
Those people have gone before us. We've been adopted into God's family with all the rights and privileges of an adopted person. You think, you know, of adoption. In adoption in the Bible, what, what, what the culture there when it talks about adoption is a, is, a, is a Roman culture. In the Roman culture, when you were adopted, you could not be unadopted. When you were adopted, you had rights and privileges of a child in that family, and they could not be taken away from you. So how much more then in the word of God are those of us who are adopted into God's family are going to receive the blessings of God? We are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We are members of God's family with all the rights and privileges as a child that is adopted into that particular family. That's what the Bible teaches us. So we carry that name. And that inheritance, if you think about it, the inheritance goes beyond the, the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate. That is what we're all waiting for. But it's not just the, the, the eternal life that we're going to receive in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's about a peace that passes all understanding. It's about a joy, a joy that is overflowing. It's about a hope in all circumstances of our lives. It's about a purpose for your life and for my life, that we were, how we were created to live, and God is going to fulfill that particular purpose. It's about a blessing. It's about the blessing of seeing things the way God sees them, seeing things from God's perspective, seeing things from God's point of view. When you're a part of God's family, you receive that blessing. You're able to see things, it, it, obviously, not the same way, but in a similar way, the way God sees them, because he gives you that opportunity. You are able to read the word of God freely and things will come to you that don't come to those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a blessing to being a part of God's family. The blessing is beyond what we have in, in the monetary value that we have. It's not, it's not really in the amount of money. It is, we're talking here about something so much more than that, so much more valuable than that. It's a gift. You can't buy it. It is a gift. It is a promise. God promises you certain things. God promises us that if we're in his family, we will receive a blessing and that we can then be a blessing to others. But the blessing isn't just for us. God, God goes on to say that Abraham, that we who are part of this line, because we're talking about, you know, how we've been blessed and how we're, we get this inheritance and how we have this, this through Christ and we have all these things, that we have all the rights and privileges. But being in the line of Abraham by faith, by grace, allows us, allows us to then have, have a uniqueness. We become a hope for the world. We become the hope of the world. We who are in that line, we who have that relationship with Christ, have a responsibility to be God's ambassadors, to be the hope, to be the hope, to carry on the gospel, and to be the hope of the world. Again, in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, it says, I will make you a great into, into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, of course, God's promise here to Abraham was that one of his heirs would be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done, all the world will be blessed. All the world will be forgiven for their sin as they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Abraham's blessings 
have become our blessings. And through us, people everywhere will, be, will have an opportunity to have that same blessing. So through Abraham, passed on to generations, we are heirs. We then are blessed. God then blesses us, and then we are able to bless others as well. As God blesses those who follow him, his followers become a blessing to others. Let me share an illustration. I learned something very interesting about fish farming in Nigeria. I learned that if you want to do really, if you want to be practical and you want to have really good, strong fish, that what you do is you build your chicken coop, your giant chicken farm coop thing, over the fish pond that you're laying in there. And that you feed the chickens really, really, really well, and you feed them very often. And because the fish love to eat the nutrient-rich chicken droppings that come. And... Chicken potty, if for those under five, they like to eat the chicken potty. Okay, it's just that's I don't know. They just they're fish. You see, the fish benefit from the blessing that the chicken receive from the nutrient-rich food. The, the the chickens pass on that blessing to the fish. If, if it spills over on it, 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 it spills over onto them. It pours out, if you will. <laughs> you getting the picture here? You will never forget this sermon. Okay, it is, and you want to, you'll want to. You'll, 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 you'll be thinking, just can I get that pouring out thing out of my mind? And you will never eat fish in Nigeria. You'll come with me and you'll say, you know, note to self, do not eat the fish that we get in Nigeria. But it's true. That's really true. The, as we bless the chickens with nutrient-rich food, the chickens then bless the fish. The fish are blessed. We eat them. We get blessed again. It's just a whole round circle, circle of life. Here's the, here's the principle. So then it really, the fish aren't too blessed. Speaking, no, I'm just kidding. Um, here's the principle. Here's the principle. We, we are blessed and so that we can become a blessing. We who are blessed can become a blessing. As God blesses us, as others bless us, we then become a blessing to other people. Now, it, it, that's the way it works. Now, we're, we are not, understand, we are not the true source of the blessing to the world. God is in Christ through the Holy Spirit. You say, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, we don't want to pound our chest too much because, you know, God blesses us and God, give, God is the one who blesses. God is the one who gives. God is the one who gives gifts and, and talents and abilities. God is the one who gives you the resources, the financial resources you have. God is the one who gives all those things. So it really isn't us. It is God in Christ through the Holy Spirit that is the source, the true ultimate source of the blessing. But guess what? We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that blessing. It's not about me. It's not about you. The church doesn't exist for itself. The church exists to help transform the lives of others, to turn the blessings that we have into blessings for other people, for someone else. Transformed lives, transformed lives. That's what we keep talking about, right? Transformed, blessed lives can transform and bless the lives of other people. That's, that's the principle here that we're talking about. We can become a blessing for others. God uses his people, you and me, to carry out his work on this earth. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, for, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship. God has created us 
us to do good works. He prepared in advance for us to do that we could then be a blessing for other people. He's going to use us to carry out his will on this earth. That is good news. That's good stuff. That the king of the universe is going to use you. He's going to use me to carry out his message. We are God's messengers. We preach the good news of God's blessing, of God's mercy, of God's peace, of God's joy, of God's hope, of God's promises. I don't know how many people emailed me, wrote me, and told me last week, man, promises. Boy, we needed to hear about promises. We needed to hear that God, God will never leave us or forsake us. We, the, the, the response, the emotional response to the series so far in promises is overwhelming. Doesn't that tell you something? If, if you need it so badly, you need to hear this so badly, if it resonates with your heart and you have a desire to want to hear it, if you desire to want to, to receive those promises, you need to hold on to those promises, you need to rest in those promises, don't you think that those at work, those in your neighborhood, those that you go to school with, those that you hang out with, don't you think that they're going through worse maybe the same or worse than you're experiencing? Imagine going through what you've been through without Christ, without anyone telling you there are promises that you can depend on. There's a God who can get you through anything you go through. Imagine going through life and having to deal with the things that you've dealt with in the last 10 years of your life, 20 years of your life, with no hope, with only someone, another person to tell you, pat you on the back and say, oh, it'll be fine, buck up, or whatever they tell you. Imagine. So doesn't it make sense to each one of us as God pours out his blessing onto us that we would invite more people? And I appreciate it. You see, if if you be part of the first service and seconds, we keep adding chairs and the the church keeps growing. And I want to keep encouraging you. There are people who need to hear what you have to say. There are people who need to hear that God offers his promises to everyone and that when God promises something, he follows through with it. A lot of your friends have parents who've made promises to them or have friends who've made promises to them all their lives and they didn't follow through and they feel hopeless. They feel rejected and now they can come to a place. You can be a vehicle. You can be a messenger to say, hey, we're doing this series. Why don't you come and join us? It's just relaxing. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You just eat a donut, come sit down, grab a cup of coffee, and hear something about God's promises and how much God loves you. Encourage people to be here because if you love it so much and it's impacting your life, imagine the impact it's going to have on someone who has no hope whatsoever. It'll revolutionize their lives. It'll change them for the rest of their lives. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Which leads to the final defining characteristic of God's promise. It's what makes Abraham and all of us it's what makes this, this so special. It makes us so special in God's unique plan, in God's ultimate unique plan for, for the world. I love, what I love about these promises is that we have a choice. You have a choice whether or not you're going to take part in these promises. You have a choice whether or not you're going to participate in them, whether or not you will be a part of this, this incredible epic that is going on called life. You have a choice whether, you're not, whether or not you're going to participate in this incredible ed- epic, whether, whether you're going to participate in the story that is unfolding right before your eyes. It's your choice. It is unfolding every single, every single day, every single second, every single minute, every single hour, every single month, every single year. This epic is unfolding right before us. And we, this is really 
cool. We have a choice whether we're going to be a part of this incredible epic that's unfolding. In verse 4, it says, So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, a couple things real quick. It says, So Abraham left, did what he was told to do, as the Lord told him. It also says he's 75 years old. I don't want to hear anything about people over a certain age saying, well, my life is over. I don't have anything more to offer. Blah, 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 blah. That's all it is is blah, 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 blah. If you're still breathing, then you have a lot to offer someone else. You are an heir of God's promises. You are being blessed by God, and you then can be a blessing to other people. 75, 85, 95, if you're still here and you're still breathing, then God wants to use you. God's saying, you know what? I'm keeping you here for a reason, and I'm blessing you for a reason. Even if it's just with your words, you can't physically do a lot anymore your words you can still be a blessing to other people with the encouragement of your words so don't use that as an excuse not picking on you people a little older now i love you but don't don't just sit back and think you know i've done my you 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 haven't done you're not finished until god says you're finished okay you're not finished until god says so so as long as you can keep talking you can keep saying something nice and encouraging to people. God wants you to bless others the way you have been blessed. It's our choice whether or not we're going to enjoy being a part of God's plan. It all comes down to obedience. Are we going to be obedient? God said, Abraham, go to the land I'm going to take it to. Abraham got up and left. Got all stuff together and left. He was obedient. So he is a part of that. It's, it, 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 we need to realize that God, God's promises are going to come about. The only question is, are we going to be a part of those promises? Are we going to miss them? Are you going to miss what's going to happen? It's going to happen with or without you and me. It's going to happen. And the question is, are we going to be a part of those promises as they come to pass? My friends, when God speaks, when God speaks, it's all over. When God promises something, it's all over. When God speaks, the deed is accomplished in fact before it ever happens. God, when God says it, it's a done deal. If God says, to the, tells, tells the sea to part, the sea parts. When God says, let there be light, there's light. There's no question. When God says something, it happens. When God says that Abraham is going to be the ancestor of a multitude of nations, it is a done deal. The nations are born, in fact, even though it hasn't happened yet, and it will happen in time. Once God says it, it's set in stone. It's it's going to happen. No one can thwart God's will. No one can stand in the way of the wave that's coming. Once God makes a promise, that promise is going to be fulfilled either that day or that year, the next year or in the future. God made promises that haven't even happened yet. Prophets have made promises that God has told them that have not come to pass yet, but they will come to pass. Jesus is coming back. All that it says in Revelation, all it says throughout the New Testament is going to happen. It is going to come to pass. Some have already and others are still to come. But once God opens his mouth, once God breathes something, it is already a done deal. It's a fact waiting to happen. All we need to do is wait and trust in God's promises. What we need to take away from Abraham's story is that the promises of God are finished. When God says something, it is a done deal. God says Abraham and Sarah will have a child, and that child will have a child, and that child will have a child all the way through until the birth of Jesus Christ. That is what is going to happen, and that is what happened. When God made a promise, it was over. It was over. Finished. Isn't that refreshing? 
Imagine, imagine, imagine once in your whole life, once in your whole life, a leader, a leader, quote, a leader gets up and says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do these things. I may not be able to accomplish. I'm going to try. I'll do my best. And I'm going to do these things. And if I, I'm going to try to, if I don't get it, but, and they actually thought you could check it off. He said that he did it. Well, he said that he did. We tried that. He said he would try that and didn't, well, he didn't follow, it didn't follow through because that wasn't his fault, but he actually followed through with everything he said he was going to do. You would fall over and die right there, right? You would crown him as king of America and say, I don't care how many terms, give him all the terms he wants. The guy follows through what he's going to say. That would be amazing. What's amazing is that God always follows through with his promises. Always, always, always follows through with his promises. You can trust him. My friends, there will be times when we're asked, when God asks us. And here's why I'm telling you this, because you got to trust him. And when God promised something, you got to know that's someone who's going to stand behind his word, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. When I ask you to do something, it's for your own good. It's for the good of the world. It's for the good of my eternal kingdom. You will, you will be building the kingdom of God if you do what I ask you to do. And there will be times when we are asked to step out, when we are called to go, when we're called to walk into the unknown. And we're saying, should I really do this? He may ask you to, 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 to believe something that to the rest of the world seems to be foolish or unorthodox, or, or impossible. He's calling you to do something, the rest of the world will go, what are you, crazy? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? God may ask you to give up possessions that have come to possess you. And you need to trust him. That you, you know what they are. You are resting on them. You are claiming those things. You are owning those things. You are, you are putting your faith and your trust in those things. And God says, you know what? I want you to give up those possessions that, are, that have come to possess you. And I want you to follow an unfamiliar path. He may ask you, if, if you've fallen asleep, I want you to wake up. Okay, you, you awake? I, I have bad eyesight, so I can't see in the back. So if you're sleeping, poke the person next to you. He may ask you, listen, he may ask you to trust again. He may ask you to hope again. He may ask you to love again. He may ask you to believe again. Think about that for a second. You think, oh, an unfamiliar path, I'm going to do this. You know what? He may ask you, it's time for you to trust again. Right this morning, he's talking, if you think, oh, man, seems like he's always talking to me. I'm not talking to you. It's God who's talking to you. If you feel like, man, it's right directed toward me, you're right. It is you. He is talking to you. And he's, and he's saying, you know what? It's time for you to trust again. It's time for someone else to love again. It's time for someone over here to hope again. It's time for someone else to, to walk with God the way you used to and believe again. And you, now, now, you may be sitting there, you may not like what I'm saying. You said, when well, I was fine until he got real personal and got real specific. And you may not like what I'm saying, but your anger and denial is not going to change the truth. Your anger, denial, whatever you're feeling right now, is not going to change the truth. And whatever you're feeling right now, the anger, denial, is not going to change the fact that the choices you make in your life are going to have a profound impact on your family and in generations to come. 
generations in your family will be profoundly impacted by the choices that you make right now. So you could be bristling right now with God and you don't want to hear one stinking word of what I just said. It doesn't apply to you. You know it does. And I know it's hard. I'm not, I'm not just throwing it out there. I know it's hard. But the reality is the choices you make right now will have a profound impact, not only on your life. Stop, stop pretending it's only going to affect you. It will not just affect you. You will pass on a legacy to your children. Your children will pick up on those things and they will continue to pass on that legacy from generation to generation. And you're responsible for that. I know that's hard. I know you'd rather go to a church sometimes just tickles your ears and tells you nicey-nicey things. You don't have to think about those kind of things. But I love you too much to do that. And God loves you too much not to say, you know what, maybe it's time that you opened up and started trusting and hoping and loving and believing again. You know, you, 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 may, not, you may, not, may not really resonate with, with what I'm saying right now, but just in your heart of hearts, try to, try to, try to let it sink in and try to own the, the words that God is, is, is kind of saying through me, Okay. And apply it, to your, apply it to your life. God may be calling you today to step out of that comfort zone that you're in. It may not be a comfort zone that you're, you're like, yeah, you know. But you're in a comfort zone. You've gotten, you've gotten too comfortable. And God says, you know what? I want you to join me in a new adventure. I want you to join me in a new challenge. I want you by my side. I want you to realize, is, I want you to realize that the plans that I have for you will come to pass without you or not. See, that's what I don't want you to miss out on. While you, while we're, while you and I are kind of wallowing in the things, why we won't do this and why we won't do that, these, these plans are coming to pass. God has already promised they're going to happen, and they're happening. And God is saying, I want you to be a part of this plan. I'm calling you to something unique. I'm calling you to, to, to a new adventure, a new challenge. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do these things with or without you. When you say no to God, here's the thing. When you say no to God, all you're doing is saying no to your own future. All you're doing is saying no to God's promises for your life and what he wants to do in your life. When you say no to God, what you're saying is that you will never know the thrill. You will never know and experience the thrill of being in the center of God's will. God is calling you to do something and you, you are saying, no, no, I won't do that. I'm going to hang on to my bitterness. I'm going to hang on to these things. I'm going to hang on to my comfortable life. I'm going to hang on to those things. And when you say no to God, when he asks you to step out and do something, you're saying no to your own future. You're saying no to the promises of God. You are saying no, 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 God. I do not want to be in the center of your will. And if you're not in the center of God's will, then you're scooting around someplace else. And I'm going to tell you, all those paths lead to nowhere. You are saying, no, I do not want to be in the center of your will, God. You will never experience, my friends, if you say no, you will never experience the boldness of knowing what it means to stand up for God in a difficult situation. You won't have that in you to stand up for God. You'll never know what it feels like to stand up and hold yourself strong and say, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, I will not cheat, I will not lie, I will not finagle, I will not, I will not, because you're standing up for God and what God calls you to do. You'll never experience that. You will never feel the passion for living, for, feel the passion of, of living for something more important, greater and more grand than yourself. You'll never experience that because you're saying, no, I don't want to go. Pick up your stuff, leave everything behind and I want you to take it. No, I'm not going to do that. And what you're saying is, no, God, I do not want to experience something greater than myself. You will never embrace a faith 
that allows you to be more than you thought you were capable of being and doing more than you thought you were capable of doing. You will never experience that because you're saying, no, I'm going to hang on to how I'm feeling. I'm going to hang on. And when God calls me to do this, and when God says he promises that, and when God, I'm just going to say no to God. I'm not going to experience those promises. I'm not going to have faith that God can fulfill those promises. And I am going then, you're choosing then to miss out on everything that's happening. And you're choosing to miss out on your own life you are merely existing if you are not in the center of God's will you are merely existing and that's not what you want fight it all you fight it all you want take God out of the equation and life is completely meaningless you you intellectually take that one to the to the to the bank and think about it Take God out of the equation, choose not to follow him, and life becomes completely meaningless. And God is saying, I promise you, I promise if you follow me, I will never leave you or forsake you. I promise if you follow me, life will never be meaningless. Life will never be, never be the way the world has laid it out to be. You will never have to experience those same, that, those, that same hopelessness. I promise you that I will be there with you. You will never understand, my friends, if you don't, if you say no to God, you'll never understand what it means to be an heir to his promises. You'll never understand that, what it means to truly be a blessing and to truly be blessed. You ever want to know what it means to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? You will never experience what it means to be blessed if you say no to God, if you turn him away. We need to trust God with our whole heart. Trust him with our whole heart and embrace his word as truth, knowing that it is only in trusting in him, only in trusting in God that we can find true blessing, only in trusting in God that we can find the blessing that God has for us and that we can become a blessing for other people. God wants to bless you. This is a promise. You are an heir of Jesus Christ. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And God promises he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And he promises that he wants to use your life as a blessing for others. But it is only in trusting his promises and saying yes when he calls, yes to him, that you experience that that feeling of being blessed, the knowledge of being blessed, and the ability to bless others. Let's bow our heads. God, we can trust you. And God, as difficult as it is to come here sometimes and to hear truth, to challenge our own hearts, to break through the, the bitterness and the, the walls that we have built up in our lives, God, it's worth it. The alternative is just unbearable. So God, give us the strength to believe your promises are true, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that you desire to bless us, that you have given to us inheritance, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, 
that we have the power of the resurrection living in us, that we have the Holy Spirit working through us. And no matter what we're going through this morning, no matter what we face this morning, that you will get us through that time. We don't need to give up. We don't need to give up because we know we have you. And when you speak something, it's true. And whether it happens today or next week or next year, it will happen. May we truly trust in you. As your, as your heads are bowed, as we close out the service, I want to show a video. It's a longer video, and I don't expect everyone to stay for the entire thing. It's just, it's really just, I want to show this so that you have a chance, you have some time to rest and to reflect on what was said this morning and to let God deal with your heart, to let God speak to your heart. Maybe wrestle God a little bit in your own mind, in your own heart. And what I love is that as you sit here and you take that time to reflect and to spend that time with God and to work through whatever issues you need to work through and to, to ask God whatever you need to ask Him, to hold on to Him, whatever it is for you, whatever you need to do, that you would, you would remain quietly as you remain. And when you leave the sanctuary, whenever as the Holy Spirit leads, you can leave whenever I'm finished speaking. As the Holy Spirit leads you, you can leave this place, but please leave quietly as others are just reflecting on and their time with God. And once you get out in the foyer, we can fellowship. But in this sanctuary, it needs to remain quiet until we're finished. God, we love you. We trust you. We believe your promises. And we want to spend time with you now. In Jesus' name.